Okay, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for emails. I'll keep you apprised of all of the upcoming guest topics and important events. And you can find me at AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. It is great to have in studio with us our guest chick, Susan Kochevar. It's great having you here. Morning. Thank you. And producer Steve is running the boards. We have David Weinberger on the line with us. He had written an excellent essay in The Federalist, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone Eventually. David, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, David, before we get into your particular piece, uh, we had to do a little bit of research. We were talking about the Super Bowl in the prior two segments. And Robert Kraft, who owns the Patriots, see, brought up the fact we were talking about the, 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 that toxic masculinity Gillette ad was not broadcast during the Super Bowl. And then Steve said, isn't uh, Robert Kraft, doesn't he have some um, connection with Gillette? So, Steve, what did you find out? He's not the direct, I can't find a direct linkage from him to Gillette in terms of being the CEO. Uh, He heads up the Kraft Group, which owns the Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots play. So there's the connection. But, you know, I got to think that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things going on there. But uh, So that's not so much a retraction as it is a clarification. Thank you for that clarification. We always like to try to get it right here, so... Thank you. So, hey, David Weinberger, let's go ahead and jump right in here. Uh, Your piece, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone Eventually. You know, there's been uh, just this movement to forced minimum wage. Susan Kochevar, who's in studio as as our guest chick, uh, is an entrepreneur and a small business owner. She owns 88 Drive-In Theater. And so she certainly has been on this about how it actually hurts people. So let's go ahead and jump into this, though. Your piece, Why a Higher Minimum Wage Comes Back to Bite Everyone in, in, Eventually. What's the, what's the big view on your piece? Well, the big view is that we cannot ignore the basic laws of economics. And that is when you increase the price of something, demand goes down. And that holds true um, for the price of labor, which is what we're talking about with regard to the minimum wage. Okay, and so ultimately that hurts people that are trying to get a job. That's correct. Just think about it like this. If, if it is legislated that nobody can be hired at less than $10 per hour, but somebody is, is worth less than that, then it, it doesn't behoove an employer to go ahead and, and hire that person. And that's precisely why you see low-skilled workers and unemployment rates, particularly for young people, has been very high ever since minimum wage laws have been enacted. You know, that first job is so important. I remember my first job was at Daylight Donut and Chicken Inn. And even though they paid me a little bit of money, I actually probably should have paid them because I, I learned how to, to, to make change. I learned how to work with customers. And Susan Kochevar, that is one of the things that you do at 88 Drive-In Theater is give young people that first job so that they learn how the responsibility of showing up for work, you know, all these important things. And how has a, a forced minimum wage, what do you see coming down the pike for you as the employer? Well, especially here in Colorado, we have that amendment, a minimum wage amendment was added. So, you know, minimum wage is going up 90 cents every year. It went up 90 cents last year, 90 cents this year, and 90 cents next year. So what happens is I wind up 
looking for products that don't require as much labor, so I don't have to hire as much staff. I look for uh, more qualified staff, maybe less younger staff, maybe older people who've who've had some jobs. Uh, you look for anim- uh, uh, computers or animation, not animation, but automation automation thank Mm -hmm. you to you know take up those jobs because those people don't call in sick they don't need breaks that sort of thing that's what happens you just you wind up with fewer employees it's interesting because i'm just back from the drive-in theaters convention in florida and that's all we heard from all the drive-in theater owners is listen minimum wage is killing us all around the country and i was sitting next to one of the uh vendors who's trying to sell software to everyone he says but can't you if you just pay them more can't then they turn around and you know spend more money on other things well isn't that how it works i had to explain to him no minimum wage is an expense for an employer if i pay the employees this much then i can't buy your software you know it's, it's no different than running your own home and somebody says well now you have to pay your maid fifty dollars an hour or your lawn boy fifty dollars an hour well then you don't have money for anything else Good point. Okay. Hey, David, uh, comment on that, and then I want to go through your, your piece here. So, Well, yeah, two things that struck me. First of all, I, I, I totally agree with your guest that it, it does it increase unemployment, or at least it reduces access to employment for young people, and two-thirds of minimum wage studies show that. Um, but the other thing is that whether, whether or not it does increase employment in particular instances, the cost will be bared somewhere. And so employers have the opportunity, they can slash benefits, or they can even raise prices, which is also something labor economist James Shirk um, has documented. Uh, the other point I would raise is that if people, if advocates really believed that raising the minimum wage was good for the economy, that it would, as you said, put money in people's pockets to spend, why are we stopping at $10 an hour or $15 an hour? Why not raise it to $20, $30, $50 an hour and really juice the economy? So, David, what do you think is the underlying that's I mean, that's a great question. So what is the underlying movement then uh, regarding minimum wage? Because I think that it's been sold particularly to young people as compassionate to make sure that uh, that they get their fair share of that big, bad business person's income that, uh, you know, the the big profit center that the, the business is when in essence, Many businesses work on very, very small margins. But what do you think that whole underlying theory is then? Well, I think, I think there's uh, two thrusts behind the movement. One is the compassionate side, which says people ought to be earning a living wage. And there's also, I think, um, rather superficial economic analysis that suggests we were just talking about that by putting more money in people's pockets, you help the economy. <clears throat> Interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, take off the first point, or go after the first point in your piece here. Why a higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually? That was in the Federalist. Uh, you said workers competing against one another is a good thing. Explain. Yes, uh, of course it's good. It, it increases productivity, and this is one thing that. Uh, is little known, but economists uh, Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell have documented at length in, in various books they've written. But um, what black workers used to do to outcompete white workers, um, this was back in the era of Jim Crow, 1920s, 1930s, is they would offer to work for less than their white counterparts. 
And, of course, their white counterparts didn't like this because they didn't want to take a, a pay cut. So what they did, they realized, is that if they got together and they forced, through political maneuvers, governments to stipulate a minimum wage, it would price these, these, their black counterparts out of work, and they wouldn't have to face that competition. Wow, that sounds a little racist to me <laughs> to be doing that. You know, and you mentioned productivity. Uh, I've seen a, a kind of a movement to socialism, if you will, in the education system where instead of people, you know, on their individual merit, we see these group projects, which, as I've really thought about it, is teaching our kids socialism at a young age. And what happens is, is there's some folks that are not as productive as others. They're not doing their best. Then you've got the, the overachievers there that want to make sure that they get a great grade. And then they all share the grade. And what I'm seeing is people are scratching, you know, they're kind of scratching their head going, wait a minute, this doesn't really work so well. But it seems like that's been something that we've been teaching our kids in school. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly does them no favors. Um, they're not learning the basic skill set they need to succeed in life. Right. Okay. Hey, you know what, David Weinberger, we're going to go to break. We want to go through these other points in your excellent piece here, why a higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually. Uh, and so we have Susan Kochevar in studio with us as our guest chick. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, and we will be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. We've got to have these conversations. Check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails, and I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And you can find me at AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I offer a conservatarian perspective. We have in studio with us Susan Kochevar as our guest chick, and on the line with us, David Weinberger, who had written a very, very good piece for the Federalist, why a higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually. David, before we get to the next points in your particular essay, Susan had a couple of comments. So, Susan, your thoughts? Yeah, I really uh, was thinking about this during the break when you were talking about minimum wage coming back to bite everyone. The other effect that it has is with all these forced increases in wages – it make I, I have to give my current employees who have demonstrated you know their ability to do work well and show up on time and all this stuff they've learned all these have all this experience. Um, I have to I can't give these these folks that have been with me a long time as much of a raise because I have to give the new people a raise or you know hire them for more. So it has an effect of leveling wages, and that's another really bad thing. Uh, uh, 
The other uh, effect that minimum wage has is kind of like a buoy in the water. You know, David mentioned you wind up raising your prices. So you, you pay people more, you raise your prices. It's just up and down. Yeah, it certainly is an effect that uh, goes throughout the economy. So, David, any comments on that before we get into your next piece? The free market is anti-discrimination. Yeah, I haven't looked into that piece of it too deeply. I know that there are some studies that suggest that uh, people not necessarily on the lowest rungs of employment who earn the minimum wage, but just a step above those people, they are impacted um, negatively by the minimum wage. Well, and one other thing before we jump into the free market is anti-discrimination is that uh, as you uh, have to increase this minimum wage, your cost, Susan, as an employer goes up significantly because you have to match Social Security, you have to contribute to Medicare, don't you? That's right, yeah. You're not just talking, when they start talking about $12 minimum wage, you're not just talking about a $12 uh, raise in prices, in, in cost for the employer. I have to match Social Security and Medicare, and the other there's some other taxes that are a percentage of payroll, so... Yeah, and so it so your costs are actually more than just that ninety cents right here in Colorado. Yes. So, okay, David, the, you you make the case that the free market is anti discrimination. Now there are many, probably uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez would uh, disagree with you. So explain the free market is anti discrimination. Sure. So <clears throat> consider in a free market, uh, assuming there's no minimum wage, that there are uh, there's a black and uh, worker and a white worker and they're competing for a job um what what used to happen is that the black worker could offer to work for say five dollars an hour whereas the white counterpart wanted to keep his wage at seven dollars an hour so if you had an employer who was racist and he wanted to choose that white worker well he was going to have to pay a two dollar penalty by paying that worker seven dollars an hour versus the other option which is hiring the black worker at five dollars an hour so there's a built-in penalty um, in the free market for indulging racism. Well, and to that point, not only racism, but we're seeing, you know, regarding women workers uh, trying to have an equal pay legislation on that. It seems to me like that would be the same thing as well. So if, in fact, an employer could hire a woman at a much lower rate, most good business people would do that, right? And so... Um, and the other thing where just a little bit about that is I think that ultimately, Susan, this is going to hurt women because um, many women would prefer to have some flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so they give up some some of uh, pay regarding flexibility. And so once again, when you get government involved in this whole thing, saying that they have to be paid a certain amount, uh, you may have uh, employers that may shy away from that because they realize that the woman wants more flexibility Uh, so that she may be able to be with her children if she has a sick child or whatever. And shouldn't women be able to make that decision versus government coming in and making that decision? Well, exactly. Minimum wage laws and employment regulation in general interfere with the ability of the employer and the employee to negotiate whatever works best for the two of them. So all of this stuff really hurts employees. I like to always cite the example of... um, you know, forcing uh, people to only work 40 hours a week, and after that they, they're paid time and a half. Uh, that really hurts people to negotiate for themselves. Um, so I might take a job and for 40 hours, and then I have to go take another job, buy different clothes for that job, drive to that job, and maybe make minimum wage at that job just to make a little extra money, where if my employer could just pay me 
straight wage for 45 hours, maybe I don't have all that expense and have to waste all that time. It really does wind up hurting people. Right. So I think we're making the case that government really should be out of this whole thing. Uh, Last point in your particular piece, uh, David Weinberger at the Federalist of uh, why higher minimum wage comes back to bite everyone eventually. And that is the indirect consequences of minimum wage policy. I think that we've been dancing around that just a little bit. But, uh, David, go ahead, your comments. Well, the, the most indirect consequence is that it reduces access to people who don't already have jobs, especially for low-skilled low workers. So um, this is a, what, what Henry Hazlitt, um, an economist, used to write about, is the effects of policies both seen and unseen. Now, what happens when you raise the minimum wage is for the lucky few who end up keeping their jobs, they are trumpeted in the news and you hear about them. But the people who you, whom you don't hear about are the folks who don't have access to these jobs because they're simply priced out of the labor force. Well, and David, there's such dignity in work. And pricing people out of the labor force, I think, is really uncompassionate because, again, there's such dignity in work. We, we're concerned you know, about all of these social um, challenges that we have, homelessness, affordable housing, although I make the case that there is now an affordable housing industrial complex, a homelessness industrial complex, because there's bureaucrats and politicians that are making a ton of money as the money goes by where, where they say they're trying to help these problems. But, but teaching people to work and allowing them to be able to work, allowing them, Susan, as you said, to be able to negotiate a value between the two where the worker says, I will work for this amount. The employer says, I will pay you this amount. If they're not the same, they've got to come to some kind of an agreement. And I think that there's been those on the progressive activist left that have said, well, people are too dumb to actually be able to negotiate for themselves. That's why we have to have unions. That's why we have to have a forced minimum wage. And I think that that is so elitist to think people are too dumb to actually be able to negotiate themselves the value for value, David Weinberger. Yes, and if they want to actively uh, state that point, good luck in convincing people that they're correct. I mean, I have never heard a convincing response to this question, which is if somebody wants to work, for $7 per hour, and there's an employer who wants to hire that person, why should that be illegal? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what are you in the slammer for? Well, I I actually paid somebody the amount that they asked. Yeah, right? I mean, it's crazy to me, Susan. Well, this is what really concerns me about our new governor, Jared Polis. He was, uh, before the election, I think it was actually in the primary, standing before SEIU workers saying that he wanted to put teeth in employment law, which means he wants to criminalize it and put people in jail. That's frightening. Right. David, David, where are you located? I'm in balmy Minnesota. It's five degrees. <laughs> How's that polar vortex been working out for you out there, David? <laughs> Global oh, warming, my huh? Gosh. The worst of it, yeah, that's right. The worst of it's behind us, thankfully. Well, that that's for sure. Yeah, what Susan just mentioned, you know, Colorado, it is amazing. We used to be this this state of kind of that rugged individual Western spirit, and man, this last election, it's been just wild. We ha- now have a Democrat uh, governor. House and Senate. And it's not just Democrat. You know, it it is now far left progressive activists. 
And what Susan just alluded to is Governor Polis, um, as he was running for office, was at a conference with the SEIU employees, and he said he wanted to put teeth into actually criminalizing employment law. And that is really, really scary, David Weinberger. Yep, Uh, and you're seeing a very far lurch to the left through Ocasio-Cortez and our our own here in Minnesota, Ilhan Omar, um, and some others. And it's a lot of this younger generation, which I I think the tragedy, this goes beyond our topic here, but I think um, people are just not learning the value, American values, and, and not studying American history. And I think that is exactly what we're seeing manifest um, in these younger people who are who are in office now. So, David Weinberger, can we turn this around? Mm-hmm. I think we can. Um, I, and I, I never like to be a, a pessimist. I'm always an optimist. Um, and just through my own study of history, um, you know, after right before the Civil War, we elected Lincoln. Um, you know, 1980s was Morning in America under Ronald Reagan. Uh, I certainly think we can get the right leadership in place and turn this thing around. Okay. I, I hope so. I have to compliment you, too, on your article when you talked about, you quoted Henry Hazlitt, and you said the bad economist sees only Im- uh, immediately what strikes the eye, and I think that is such a big problem in general in the way people view uh, businesses. They don't... Um, look beyond you know they don't see what's lost when all these laws and regulations and stuff are implemented and getting people to understand that is really hard and i think that's really a key point in your article thank you now hey david if people want more to read more of your pieces where's the best place that they can find them um at the federalist uh so if they go to the federalist they can type in my name david weinberger and um there's uh this, my pieces shall be archived there yes most definitely so thank you so much it's great to have you as a guest on the americhicks with kim munson well thank you again for having me okay great so yeah david weinberger in balmy minnesota oh. so